Hello, it's John Dennis on Wednesday the 16th of December. Today, Cameron on Copenhagen. The Tory leader tells The Guardian how a Conservative government would create incentives to help reduce climate change. We've got to show people that changing behaviour can lead to real benefits for you. That if you recycle more, you get charged less. If you uh, go ahead with the, the wind turbine linked to your community, you keep the benefit, you get the electricity bills cut. What do voters think about global warming and world leaders efforts to reduce it. We've got the details of a new Guardian ICM poll and we hear from American delegates at the UN Climate Summit in Copenhagen. I love giving this speech here just simply because I'm not the only one that has an accent. <laughs> it's a good place to come. <laughs> In other news today, fresh concern that the police are abusing their powers by stopping members of the public using cameras. Oh, yeah. So you're basically filming for fun? Yeah. I don't believe you. No. no. <laughs> then what? And how do you win a pie-eating contest? We ask a world champion. Swallow it and just keep shoveling it in and swallow, shovel it in, swallow, and then the last one, put some water down so it's a good out. Guardian Daily with John Dennis on guardian.co.uk. First, here's Bill Overton with the news. High-level talks are beginning today as ministers have flown into the climate change summit in Copenhagen. Gordon Brown's the first premier to arrive two days earlier than planned. He's brokering discussions about how measures against global warming are to be paid for by richer countries. He admits there's a possibility an agreement might not be reached, but the White House says President Obama is confident of a deal. He arrives on Friday. The Conservative leader David Cameron's outlined his green plan if his party wins the next election. He says a Tory government would put £20 billion into making 3 million homes more energy efficient. He's already signed up 14 local councils and London's mayor to pilot the scheme. We'll hear from David Cameron shortly. The army says two British soldiers killed yesterday in Afghanistan were on a mission of reassurance. They were killed in a suicide attack on their patrol, along with two Afghan National Army soldiers. The MOD says they were on a security patrol designed to build confidence with local people. British Airways is taking the Union Unite to court in an attempt to stop next week's strike by cabin crew. It'll try to get a court injunction against the action on the ground staff who've left the company voted in the strike ballot. Britain's longest-serving postmistress is to stamp her last parcel at the end of the month. Anne Gillis has been at the Staffin Post Office on Scotland's Isle of Skye for 61 years. She started work there in 1948, when letters were still delivered by horse-drawn carriage. The tabloid papers outraged this morning at the sentence of Vanessa George, the Plymouth nursery worker who was convicted of child abuse. The Sun says nursery pedo let off. The Mail reports parents' fury over nursery nurse who called herself pedo whore mama. And its headline is The Price of Depravity, Just Seven Years Jail. The Mirror says after death threats to her, she's set to be given a new identity when she's freed. Our paper leads with its exclusive interview with David Cameron. We also give front page space to report that the first supergrass to be used in Britain against gun crime in black communities has been dropped by police. It's been produced in two trials, but both juries refuse to believe his evidence. The Times has a picture splash of the first of 500 new troops to arrive in Afghanistan. Its lead story is that MPs back doctors' right to help their patients die. It reports more than the half of MPs now believe the law should be changed to allow assisted suicide. And the Independence front page lead is the former head of MI6, Sir John Scarlett, who's been accused of misleading the Iraq inquiry. 
It reports the head of the nuclear and chemical branch of the Defence Intelligence Staff saying Sir John's claims of reliable intelligence for Iraq to have weapons of mass destruction was wrong. The paper's main picture, though, is of a grim-faced Arnold Schwarzenegger arriving in Copenhagen. The caption, he's back to save the world. For more news and sport throughout the day, go to guardian.co.uk. David Cameron has been talking to The Guardian about how a Conservative government would approach the problem of climate change. Well, we'll hear shortly from our team in Copenhagen, and we've also got the details of a Guardian poll. But first, the Tory leader told our chief political correspondent, Nicholas Watt, what kind of global agreement he'd like to see. Obviously, we need a deal in Copenhagen, and it'd be best if we could get a proper legally binding deal. The minimum we must expect is a a good, strong political declaration. But I think it is important that politicians don't lose sight of the fact that if the environment is all about world leaders meeting and talking, then uh, we're not going to achieve what we really need to achieve, which is to get people to lead greener lives at home. And so one of the things we are pushing very hard is this thing called the Green Deal, our plan to allow companies to spend £6,500 on people's homes, improving their insulation, uh, improving uh, their energy efficiency and effectively cutting their bills. And the way this works is if a company comes into your home and spends this money, they share with you the reduction in your energy bills. So it's effectively done for free. But the effect is great because it cuts carbon emissions, that's good for all those people meeting in Copenhagen. It gets Britain back to work, employing thousands of people doing the work, and also it will cut people's electricity bills and energy bills, crucially tackling the fuel poverty uh, that we still have in this country. And do you think this is very much in the spirit of the 1010 campaign, which is this is grassroots action, this is people taking action, it can't just be about world leaders coming up with more and more targets? That's absolutely right. I mean, we're also committed in the 1010 campaign of of making sure that government itself uh, contributes by getting all government buildings to cut their energy uh, bills by 10% uh, before the end of 2010. We think we can do that, not least by having um, smart metering, not just within the buildings, but actually anyone being able to log on to the website of the Home Office or the Justice Department or the Foreign Office and to see in real time uh, what their energy use and their cost is. I think that would have a huge Um, effect. But yes, the grassroots element of this I think is important. If the environment becomes about leaders lecturing people to go and sit in a dark room wearing a big thick uh, woolly jumper and turn the heating down, we're not going to get very far. We've got to show people that changing behaviour can lead to real benefits for you. That if you recycle more, you get charged less. If you uh, go ahead with the, the wind turbine linked to your community, you keep the benefit, you get the electricity bills cut. If you switch to a different car, you'll pay less uh, in terms of at the pumps or by having an electric car. Let's let people make greener decisions and let them see the benefit of going in a greener direction. This is where I want to take the Conservative Party and have done to a large extent in the direction of much more local, much more green. Those two things really go together in so many of our policies. One final question. Guardian ICM poll today has your lead down to single figures. Is Labour back from the dead? Are you twitchy? Um, oh, look, I've never met the leader who was satisfied with his uh, his own poll rating or his party's poll rating. I always want us to be doing better, but I think we've had a... We're at the end of the uh, a year when in local elections and European elections we topped the poll, we managed to win in parts of the country, including the North-West, that we haven't always won in in the past. Uh, I'm absolutely ready for that election, and if the Prime Minister's happy the way the polls are going, bring it on. David Cameron. Well, our leader writer Tom Clark has been monitoring the party's progress in the polls. Well, he sounds 
characteristically unfazed, unflappable. And maybe that's not such a such a bad thing. He's saying bring 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 an election on. If you're nine points ahead rather than nine points behind, then that's clearly a more credible position to take. So, you know, I think he's sees the fact he's still ahead, which is true, and he sees the fact that it might look to him like Labour's going for a core vote strategy, which suits him because the core votes on their own aren't enough to win the election. So I don't think we uh, need to accuse him of being being naive for the fact that he still sounds upbeat. Now, a new ICM poll for The Guardian indicates that three in four British voters think that Gordon Brown and other world leaders are on an important mission at the Climate Change Conference in Copenhagen. How do they view this summit? Well, um, a very high proportion of um, people seem to think, yeah, exactly as you say, that it's a very important summit to deal with a very important issue. It's a small minority. It's only one in 20 people now who say that climate change isn't happening at all. There's a much larger minority that doubts whether it's mankind that's causing it, but it's still a minority. And the majority thinks it's an important thing and we need to do something about it. However, and it's always the however with green politics, if you ask people, is this the most important issue facing mankind? Yeah, about a third of people say that. They're the ones who are really excited by Copenhagen. But there's a rather larger group of 40 or 50% who think that Although it's important what's going on in Copenhagen, politicians mustn't lose sight of prosperity. And it comes back to that old issue of the pocketbook. And you start to think at the point where climate rhetoric gives way to climate crunch in terms of policies that might hit you in the pocket, higher price at the pumps, for example, then you can see that it might be harder for Gordon Brown and the others to get tough policies through. Tom Clark. Well, we cross over now to Copenhagen, where our US environment correspondent, Suzanne Goldenberg, has been meeting American delegates. It seems almost like every American who ever went into politics is here in Copenhagen and talking at the Climate Change Summit. The first person in the lineup is the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're going to go see where he's speaking. The world's governments alone cannot make progress the kind of progress that is needed on global climate change. They alone cannot do it. They need everyone coming together, everyone working together. Let us regain our momentum. Let us regain our purpose. Let us regain our hope by liberating the transformative power beneath the national level. That can be the great contribution of Copenhagen. Thank you very much, and I'll be back. Thank you. Thank you. We're here in the main press conference room waiting for Todd Stern, the State Department's climate change envoy, who's going to give a briefing. Uh, today I've had uh, some useful conversations already, uh, met with my uh, Chinese friend, Xie Zhenhua, and... Uh, There's a reason why America is deploying all these celebrities, and that's that America still isn't making the kinds of emissions cuts that the rest of the world is demanding. And that's what Todd Stern is having to defend. Uh, the U.S. is uh, substantially, the U.S. reduction is substantially less than the EU, for example. We're on our way to the Hans Christian Andersen room, which, seeing as we are in Denmark, is the biggest room in this uh, very big conference call. And we're going to see Al Gore. This is, for the Climate Change Summit, the... You know, the main act, this is the Grateful Dead and Rolling Stones and everyone else you want uh, rolled into one. The real source of the passion and the feelings that I have for this issue. I believe we are capable of rising to this occasion in spite of the difficulties. 
We can do it. We must do it. And as I have said many times, I believe that political will is a renewable resource. Thank you very much. Well, Al Gore has just given his big, passionate speech here, and there was sort of pin-drop silence. It ended with a strong rallying cry for action. But there were also some pretty hard home truths for Barack Obama and for the other big players here. For Barack Obama and the U.S. Senate, Al Gore is saying that they have to come to a deal. They have to get legislation through the Senate by April 22nd. And Gore was saying essentially, look everybody, set aside your politics, set aside your grievances. You've got to come to a deal now. Suzanne Goldenberg reporting, and there's full coverage at guardian.co.uk slash environment. Also on The Guardian's website today... I'm Catherine Shord, uh, the film editor of guardian.co.uk, and today on the film site we're getting very excited about all the Golden Globe nominations which were announced yesterday. Up in the air, the new film by Jason Reitman, who made Juno, is currently leading the pack with six nominations, closely followed by Rob Marshall's musical Nine and Inglorious Bastards, the uh, Quentin Tarantino Second World War comedy romp. Uh, So we'll be blogging about that and getting your opinions and there'll be lots of discussion galleries, maybe even a little video. All at guardian.co.uk slash film. A growing number of photographers claim they cannot take a picture in public without being harassed by the police under anti-terrorist laws. Last week, all 43 police forces in England and Wales received a memorandum reminding them that it's not an offence to take photographs of a public building and that using cameras doesn't warrant use of stop-and-search powers. Simona Bonomo is an Italian student who was filming near Paddington Basin in West London for an art project when she was stopped by two community support officers. Do you want to know why, why you're filming? Why not? Is there any reason at all? No, no. Just for fun. Just for fun? Mm-hmm. Right. Why not? Leave these buildings. What? These buildings. Mm. Do, you like, what, read, do you like looking at them buildings, do you? Yeah, they are beautiful. Are they? Yes. And that's why you're... Oh, yeah. So you're basically filming for fun? Yeah. I don't believe you. No? no. <laughs> then what? Do you have any proof? Um, really, but I've seen you film. I just wanted to know why you're filming, that's all. Yeah, and I told you and you don't believe me, so what? Can I see what you filmed? Uh, no, I don't think you have the right to do that. Well, I can have a look if I want to. If I, uh, if I believe it may be linked to terrorism, I think. I oh, wow. terrorism. I'm no, not. This is an iconic style. Uh, maybe style. just because I dress like a like terrorist that. or what? No. No, so then um, I don't think you no. have any right to believe that I'm a terrorist. No, I never said you were. I never said you were. The community support officers were then joined by several police officers and Simona says one of these police officers began manhandling her. So I was asking them to let me go. I could have run away actually because I had my bike and I I thought to go away but I, I didn't feel I was doing anything wrong so I didn't actually want to run away but I asked them to let, let me go and not to waste my, my time and their time so I started to walk slowly and they were walking close to me and soon they called the police. The police arrived after the, we walked for a few meters and basically 
it was lots of them. The first one that arrived, it was quite physically aggressive. He pushed me uh, as soon as he arrived without any reason. Um, he, he started to push me again and even touched my breast in doing that. And, and then I was with my back uh, against um, the um, post office window and I had him really close to my face. And basically, he just pushed me down on the floor uh, to uncuff me uh, without even telling me he was going to arrest me. And basically, I soon had many of them on the top of me. They took me to the police station and, yeah, the... The, the policeman that arrested me gave his strange version of the facts. He even said I tried to attack a policeman uh, biting his hand, which is not true. And, and then I stayed in a cell for about five hours. I was really distressed under, I mean, I was crying in, during all the time. And they just released me after about five hours. They told me that I had to accept this uh, fixed uh, penalty notice if I wanted to leave. Simona Bonomo, and there's more on that story at guardian.co.uk slash UK. Now, controversy in Lancashire at the World Pie Eating Championships. Martin Wainwright reports. I'm in Wigan in Lancashire, uh, home of the International Pie Eating Contest, and I'm just making my way to Harry's Bar um, to see what happens this year. Uh, Wigan's famous for food, uh, famous for pork uh, in particular, and uh, it's quite interesting they've got French accordion music playing, uh, somebody busking in the Market Street here, because there's a big link between the French and Belgian uh, and Lancashire black pudding makers. So anything to do with pork uh, is very big in this part of the world, but they have links with grand cuisine. Anyway, off to Harry's Bar. I've come to the pie, the pie fest at Harry's Bar, and I've just been introduced to Tony. I remember you yeah, from three years ago, and you've got some comments on this year's occasion. Yeah, I certainly have. I mean, it's the first year we've not had uh, Wigan pies in the competition, and oh, no. we get pies from outside of Wigan. And why is this? Well, no, unfortunately, no Wigan pie manufacturer uh, wants to get involved in the competition, which is really sad, because we're known worldwide for being pie eaters. You've taken all sorts of precautions this year, haven't you? Wasn't there some suggestion that in fact, you've banned gravy because of substances that people yeah, might... Yeah. Oh, sorry, there's a lorry just coming past. Pie delivery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we banned all the substances because we didn't know what people were putting in the gravy. They were, we, we felt they were putting cough mixture in to make the the, the, the the lubricate the throat so the pie would go down a lot easier. So we've banned all substances this year. We've Competitors been... are as, as, as deadly as that, are they? Oh, they're very competitive. To win this title, you know... We've got eight competitors this year. They're, they're, they're all from uh, Wigan and the surrounding area. They're lined up now with their pies. And off they go. Amazing to watch. They're eating great chunks of pie going in. Um, pastry. One guy's just dropped a bit of pastry. I think that disqualifies him. There's a couple. There's two plasterers from the same company um, who are vying with one another. And um, they're looking well. They're looking good. But there's another guy. There's a guy with a beard. Young guy in his 20s. No, 30s, I would say. And he's um, he's only got a tiny bit left. And yes, he's. I think he's done it. He has. He's the winner. So we'll go over and find out who he is. 
Barry, you're the man who ate all the pies, or ate all the pie. How, how long did it take you? It took me 45 seconds. 45 seconds, and what, how did you do it? Uh, just uh, by trying to swallow it and just keep shoveling it in and swallow, shovel it in, swallow, and then the last one, put some uh, water down so it'll go down. And what's the technique? I mean, you've got to be able to breathe at the same time. How do you do that? Oh, just uh, through the nose. If you breathe through the mouth, you'll spit it all out over everybody. Have you had much experience of this kind of thing? When you were a little boy, did you wolf down uh, Uncle Joe's meatballs and the rest, uh, mint balls? Oh, yeah, just, uh, I'm good at, uh, yeah, just uh, eating my food very fast, yes. You're, you're 36, Sarah? Yes, 36. And what do you do? Uh, I'm a worker at a warehouse operative at Asda, Skelmersdale, warehouse. Oh, right, yes. Great, good. Lovely. Well, I'll leave you to it. You've got three more. Are you going to eat those three pies in your cup? I might take them all with me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. The World Pie Eating Championships are over again uh, for another year, and Wigan settles down to its Christmas shopping routine, and there's just a couple of pies left on the counter at Harry's Bar, if anybody wants to go in there and have some. Martin Wainwright reporting. Phil Maynard and Tim Maybe, and in Copenhagen, Andy Duckworth, with the producers of today's edition of Guardian Daily. My name's John Dennis. Thank you for listening.